And welcome back to the final of our 30 team previews, getting you ready for the 2016-17 NBA season. I'm Mike Prada, and today we are joined by Bram Kinchelo. He is the associate editor of Golden State of Mind. Yep, we are talking about the Warriors, the team that, according to the internet, blew some sort of finals lead or something. I'm not sure. That's what's kind of showing up in my feed all the time. Anyway, we get into an interesting conversation. We talk about what went wrong last year. We talk about Kevin Durant signing and whether this is good for basketball. Graham has a very strong opinion on this, and he'll express that. We also talk about some of the stuff that's come out about Draymond Green recently, some questions about whether his leadership style, is he too abrasive? Could that hurt the Warriors this season? We get into that. We get into some of the other X's and O's and nitty-gritty questions around this team that will dominate the discussion all season. But before you listen, as always, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave us a review. Let us know how you enjoyed this 30-team preview series. Again, we previewed every single team with a member of our team, Psych Communities, get you really deep in to get you ready for the NBA season. Let us know how we did on those. Let us know what you want to see from this season. Leave us a review. And you can always send us questions by tweeting us at limited underscore upside or emailing me at SBN. But until then, sit back and enjoy the final of our 30-team previews with Bram Kinchelo of Golden State of Mind. This is the Limited Upside Podcast. Shut up and sit down. Okay, the Golden State Warriors, Bram Kinchelo, Golden State of Mind. And Bram, as I'm sure the internet has reminded you over and over and over and over and over again, the Warriors <laughs> blew a 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals last year. So you told me that you wouldn't bring this up. That was the only reason that I accepted coming on the podcast is you said that we wouldn't talk about this or you said you wouldn't make any jokes. I mean, that's I right. That's right. Let's be accurate. I just said <laughs> that I would not make a joke about it. I am attributing the jokes to the internet this time. <laughs> it is an important way that's to set up the topic. Let, let's be accurate here. I, I tried to be uh, very careful. Let's be technical. That's a very, very, very like politically um, accurate way to, to put it while still getting your jokes across just not like taking any blame for it okay. well i'm just stating a fact they did blow a 3-1 lead they did they were up the warriors were up 3-1 in the finals and relinquished control of their own destiny and it was it was very sad yeah i i can under imagine it and i'm going to ask sort of a reverse measure of the question i asked chris manning of fear of the sword which is was at what point did you really think the Warriors had a chance to not to lose this? You know, at what point did you lose some confidence and get worried that you know, hey, maybe the Cavs will somehow make this comeback? I know that this is really cliche, and um, but there's a reason that this shot has gone down in infamy. It was really that Kyrie dagger, like all throughout. He said the same thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I mean, there's a reason that people I mean, there somebody carved the shot into a Halloween pumpkin, you know, like <laughs> it, it says a lot about like basketballs uh, creeping into the, the real life world. But um, like going into game five, I was like, oh, we got this. It's not a big deal. It's it's a pity that Draymond is gone going into game six. I was like, oh, we totally got this. Draymond is back. 
going into game seven, I was like, well, we just went through this with the, with the thunder. Um, you know, they're at home. There's no way that they actually drop this. And then throughout the entire game, I mean, the, the last five or six minutes of that game were some of the most intense, um, entertainment that I think has ever been produced by human minds. Um, not on purpose, but just the, the intensity and the, and the suspense and everything that was happening in that game. And then when it finally, it felt, I felt like the, the, like something, it was waiting to break one way or the other and it could have gone either way. And then the floodgates just opened after that one shot. Um, and for me, when he hit that shot, it was just, I was like, Oh man, they're going to, this is it. Like, this is actually happening. It wasn't something that I had allowed myself to think prior to that moment. And then when that happened, uh, honestly, I, I was sitting there with my wife in our house watching it and I just, I looked at her and I, I mean, she was totally, in, you know, caught up in the game and I just realized I was like, man, this could actually, holy, um, you know, fill in the expletives. Like this could actually you can, happen. You can curse it out. I oh yeah. No, yeah, swear. Go ahead. Let it out. Uh, I, it, nice. It's a tough one. I don't want to swear too much cause I don't want to give Ryan the, the Ryan Morton at fear of the sword, the, the, you know. The pleasure of listening to me break down at minute like <laughs> one thirty of this podcast, but okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I almost didn't even believe it after it was done, just because you build up to this whole season of this the Warriors being the dominant storyline, and then it doesn't end that way. And it was, it was still kind of stunning even after the final whistle blew to think that they they didn't win that series. Just thinking about how all the the whole year went, you know that. It felt like it was inevitable, uh, and a lot yeah, of things happened. You don't think so? Well, I, I I agree with you that in the obviously in the regular season it felt completely inevitable. But when Curry got hurt, like all bets were on the table. And honestly, I didn't think that they were going to get past the Thunder. I mean, being down three one, like there's rationally, it's not expected that they would be able to rally with Curry basically playing on one leg. And I mean, of course, like I believe that they could because I've seen them. Um, have such a masterful season and, and obviously set the record for wins and just be in a position where they were doing things night in and night out that we'd never seen before. So of course, like it made sense that they could come back from three, one against the thunder. But once Curry went out for those two weeks and we didn't even know if he was going to be able to come back at all for the, for the playoffs. And it was just such a feeling of, of unease and uncertainty. And I think that all of the storylines and all of like the, what you thought was going to happen and the way that the whole entire regular season had gone down was completely out the window. And so after that, and then of course, like he wasn't really back hundred percent and watching him just struggle and, you know, watching him like in the finals, for example, being a, unable to break away from Kevin love on that pivotal play um, near the end of the game. I mean, that was, that wasn't just that one game. Like that was, that was how he was playing basically since he came back from injury. And so with him not playing at hundred percent, and with a team in such an uncertain position because of that, because they had relied on him, obviously him having hit 403 three-pointers throughout the year, um, and just his brilliance and being the first unanimous MVP, like, I, I, at once once he came back and seeing how he was playing, like, anything was on the table. And so, again, like, that Kyrie shot at that point in that game was when I realized that they were probably going to lose. But I thought that they easily could have lost to... I mean, I was happy when they pulled it out against Houston, you know? Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I, I think, like, the – the, I'm not sure if we've ever – well, I don't know, ever is a strong word. But the regular season and the and then the postseason, it was, a, it was two different teams, you know? And, you know, granted, they lost – they ended up, I think, losing nine games in the postseason. 
Let's see. They lost. They lost one to uh, Houston. They lost one to Portland. They lost three to Oklahoma City. And then yeah, nine games in the postseason, which was exactly how many they lost throughout eighty-two games previous to that. You know, so it was just an extremely different experience being a Warriors fan watching them in the regular season and then watching them in the postseason. Yeah, I, I had forgotten even just thinking how much it happened. How hopeless that they felt after game four of that Oklahoma City series where the Thunder just wiped them off the court two times and you've I had forgotten that you were already preparing for that them to lose that fourth game uh and with regard to Curry obviously he wasn't the same he had his moments he had you know the Portland game in game four where he went off right and he screamed on back and everything but yeah yeah and then game seven against the Thunder where he just kind of shot them into that series victory we forget how close that game was but, yeah, he certainly wasn't himself. Do you think that was really all it was that was the difference between the team in the regular season and the playoffs? Or were there other factors that contributed to them just being so much less effective as a team? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, as you pointed out in, in your brilliant video that you posted yesterday, which everybody should check out if you haven't already, proudest pictures, um, you know, teams were figuring out a way to play them defensively. When they went to the lineup of death, um, death it was ineffective really you know they, they had negative plus minus um in the finals and harrison barnes just he took a the biggest shit in the bed that you've ever seen like it was like if you yeah, have a baby <laughs> like it was like the baby just like shout out its weight in the bed except the baby was a 200 pound man um it was really bad and his ineffectiveness kind of it took the claws out of that lineup because he's the, he's the safety valve, you know? So if, if Curry, if Curry can't drive because his legs, his knee is not right. If he can't penetrate the defense and then kick out. And then, so then the defense is already rotating quicker back to clay or Draymond or whoever has the ball. And then like the last resort, which oftentimes would be a great, you know, saving grace would be Harrison Barnes in the corner hitting a three but so, like, if you're last, if choice D out of the lineup of death, or choice F, I guess, or whatever <laughs> the last... <Right>. Choice Z? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I think he was actually F. Like, he was beyond choice E. Okay. Oh, I was going to say choice Z. Oh, Z, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if, you know, if none of his shots are falling, and if he can't drive, or he can't handle the ball, like, it's just, it, it's an impotent lineup um, that is incapable of of having great effect. And I think that teams had... You know, at that point, they have an entire season's worth of game tape to review and, and, and approach. And also, obviously, in the playoffs, you have a lot more time to prepare. You know, you have day a, a day or at least a few days off in between each game. And you're, you're really, you have the entirety of your focus is on how do we stop this one team as opposed to, like, who do I need to rest? Like, we have 40 more games in the season. You know, like, there's just the playoffs are just such a different beast. So I think it was kind of a perfect storm of the playoffs being much more intense and teams really being able to finally amp up to their full strength, um, night in and night out, which of course we see every year. But then also the Warriors not being able to do that, specifically with Curry being injured. But then also just with with Barnes then choosing the worst possible time to go scorched earth, horrible. Um, so I wouldn't really put it on just those two players. I mean, of course, like Draymond put himself into a situation that is unenviable and that uh, people over at Golden State of Mind are still bemoaning in that um, obviously he got suspended uh, and that people <laughs> people around the league, mostly our fans, but you know people that I've talked to in the league too, I mean, just talking about 
it was a it was a strange decision that the league made to suspend him after the fact. Um, but it was what it was, and he put himself in that situation. And so, I mean, all of those all of those situations, all of those uh, singular sort of instances came together and coagulated into them blowing a three one lead. And I honestly still not over it. <laughs> I wouldn't be either. We'll talk about Green a little bit later in the show, uh, but I think the fundamental problem they ultimately had and teams figured out is that there's really, they have two and a half ways to exploit a switch, right? And let's assume, obviously, that teams are locked in actually making these switches with the right type of personnel, which is, again, the case in the playoffs. One was Steph kind of taking a guy off the dribble, and he couldn't quite do that as easily with his knee problem. The other is through all this dizzying movement that they were able to switch a lot easier because they kind of flopped uh, the wing and then guarding Draymond so that they could switch the most dangerous sort of two-man action the Warriors had and put the big guy in Harrison Barnes, and Barnes couldn't kind of beat that person. And, of course, this, the half is sort of clay, but he that only comes and goes. So when you have only those few ways to switch, this switching strategy, if you really execute it well, can work. Of course, now... Let's bring on some good news. That's not going to be a problem anymore because the Warriors signed Kevin Durant. And right. How surprised were you? Surprised that that came together? I mean, at what point, you know, did you believe that that really was possible? So, a uh, buddy of mine, Danny Larue, who randomly, actually, we went to middle school together, which I think is kind of hilarious that we're now both writing about the Warriors. But um, he wrote a piece for Sports. Sporting news. Sporting news. Yeah, I remember the essay. I was trying to remember who it was. But um, yeah, he wrote a piece about like how the logistics of that would come together uh, maybe like nine, eight, nine months before it actually happened. Yeah, I mean, we knew like how it could possibly happen. I'm, right, I'm exactly. More just like when did I think it was hard to believe until soon after, soon up to the time he did it that he would actually follow through on it. Yeah, so I was actually I was upstate in upstate New York. I think it was right around the 4th of July, right? Yeah, he signed on July. He signed on July fourth. Uh, yeah, yeah, on, on actual July fourth. I was at my uh, uh, parental in law. My wife's parents um, have a place upstate, and so the internet and cell phone service is incredibly. Uh, it's very much in the country, and there's not a lot of either of those things. And so I was like kind of out of the loop, and um, I just remember like I finally got the Wi Fi to work, and I was just sitting there on tweet deck like <laughs> waiting like just watching the internet sort of like swirl around in turmoil as people because he had and he had announced that he was gonna announce something that day like the day before right he had said something like you know yeah so i was just sort of sitting there and um i mean obviously i, I knew that it could be a possibility because they had there were rumors that it was just down to the warriors and the Thunder and that he had sort of written off the Celtics, even though t- Tom Brady made a hilarious um, yeah. uh, appearance in law in, uh, in the Hamptons and, and whoever else tried to, you know, but so I was just sitting there and then I remember, um, you know, suddenly on TweetDeck, which refreshes automatically, you know, his, obviously I, I followed Durant already and ha- have for years. Cause he's actually a pretty hilarious internet follow, uh, especially in his earlier playing days. But, um, yeah, a little more early on than now. Yeah, exactly. Like he's, he's a lot more reserved now. But um, but yeah, it just popped up the the players' tribune thing popped up, and I clicked it, and I just remember like feverishly scrolling through it. I didn't even read it. I just was like in my mind, like I basically control F Warriors in my mind, 
And, you know, that sentence and like to that end, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but to that end, that's why I'll be joining the Golden State Warriors this next season. And I I jumped out of my chair and did a fucking jig around the house. Like I was like dancing around my my wife's parents house and they all like and like screaming and like they ran out there like what is what's going on what happened i was like <laughs> they're outside of the wires and like who who <laughs> so they're not basketball fans i take no it. i mean and then i had to explain it and, I, and then i had to like run back to my computer and then i like tweeted out from the warriors from golden state of mind which you should follow us uh which is at unstoppable baby which i help oversee I tweeted out just like some all caps like Durant. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, then, there's like, no other reaction to have. No, I mean, and that... then and then the players' tribune crashed. So like I was yes, really I happy. Remember this. Yeah, I was really happy that I was watching at the time because I was able to read it. And I mean, obviously, you would have been able to find out because people would have been tweeting about it, including people like me. But uh, yeah, that's not really an answer to your question. But that was how I felt when it actually happened. I think like leading up to it, I had a feeling like he he. I thought it was fifty fifty, which again, what a lot of people were saying. Um, I obviously wanted him to, and not only just obviously as a Warriors fan, but as a basketball fan, I think we had seen what he and Westbrook were capable of, which was at times glorious basketball and, and with the, the, the rise of Steven Adams and that team was really interesting. And obviously, you know, they played the Warriors harder than any team had played them up until then the finals, um, all year. And I really, that series was almost more enjoyable to me, uh, purely from a basketball standpoint than the, than the Cavaliers series. Um, there was just some amazing games that year. And so I thought like the chance of him returning to Oklahoma city to, to kind of pursue that were really interesting. But I, from, even if I wasn't a Warriors fan, I, I always wanted to see him in a more free flowing motion based spacing, uh, type, um, offense. And also to have him, you know, I, I think what people re- forget too, is that his defensive upside is insane. Um, my Warriors fans know that well. Yeah, exactly. Like watching that Western Conference Finals, I I had forgotten how much of a defensive force he could be. I mean, you know, he's legit seven. His wingspan is is off the charts. And so, anyways, yeah. I mean, I wanted to see him. I felt like they in this is cliche, but I felt like he wasn't utilized to the to the best of his abilities. Um, I felt like he was always underplaying what his really like peak form was somehow well, in that's Oklahoma. That's a scary thought, if that's true. I know. But that is an, a very scary thought. But I just think that he was never put in a position to truly succeed to the to the peak form of his abilities. And I think I trusted, and I do still trust that Steve Kerr and and that entire staff will be able to bring elements of his game out that we haven't seen yet. Um, and he's firmly in his peak. He's firmly at the height of his game, and playing alongside you know playing alongside. Steph and Draymond and Clay is an extremely different experience than playing alongside Westbrook. Albeit like Westbrook is, is an amazing player, potentially top five player in the league, but it's just a completely different mindset. Um, and to that end, I, I'm I'm just ecstatic as a basketball fan to see what those guys are going to be capable of on the court. And then the obviously the cherry on top is that I'm a lifetime Warriors fan, so. Works out well for you. That, I that's know, for yeah. Sure. Uh, I suspect a lot of people may not agree that this is good for basketball. And I, I think what they would say, and there's a part of me that believes this, is that the Thunder Warriors rivalry could have really grown and it would have been super interesting had Durant stayed. And now that's sort of been eradicated. You know, we're not going to get the same stakes of that matchup. And that 
all the the contrast between those two teams in terms of style and in terms of the players they had would have made for we basically want to see more Warriors Thunder series and I that's how I feel at least and I think it's going to be very fun to see how good Durant can be I mean Durant is going to have an incredible just incredible efficiency numbers no question but it does still feel while he has the right to do what he did and i would never take some that away from someone you know to some, it it does feel a little bit like stacking the deck and i say that from a viewer's perspective i think it would have been fun to see a real challenger emerge to stop the warriors instead of what we have this year which is really kind of let's see if cleveland gets back there and otherwise it's hard to see anyone you know do you do you sympathize with that in any level? Like just, you know, as a, again, speaking as a basketball fan, as you did earlier. Yeah. I mean, I sympathize with that in the sense that like, we want to see good basketball, you know? And again, like those Thunder Warriors series are that, that series was amazing. And I enjoyed it being able to remove myself. And that's one thing that like actually writing about the Warriors a lot has, has sort of removed that like super fanboy element of it for me, even though I was just talking about like doing a jig when Durant got here. <laughs> but, um, but like you know, I feel like I can review just the basketball in a, in a pretty clinical manner. But you know, like for example, also I was excited when when uh, LeBron went to Miami, you know, and when Bosch went there because I was like, man, we've never seen anything like this. And to that end, we saw some basketball that we'd never quite seen a team play like that before. You know, when they were really at their peak, we saw something that that was brilliant. And at the same time, it's not like they were just gifted the championship. I mean, yeah, they went to the finals four years in a row, but they lost two of them, you know? So, I mean, I, I think everybody, obviously, for they're well within their rights to predict total, utter, boring domination by the Warriors this year. But, like, there's a lot of basketball to be played. And, I mean, I don't even want to say it, but, like, injuries happen and, and things happen. And, and I think that, for me, and this is how I've always felt, and not just about basketball, but just with music and with art and and literature, anything like I want to, the reason why I watch basketball is I want to see human beings do things that I can't do. Like I physically cannot do the things that Durant and Curry are capable of. And so if you, so if you start your standpoint of like basketball or just any life fandom from like, I want to see human beings achieve beyond the realm of what I previously thought was possible then this team is like a wet dream of possibility because I have no idea what's going to happen. Like they could go out there and score 150 points. Like they could go out there and, and just the movement and the flow and the, the joy with which all those guys approach the game and the, the selflessness and the, and like, and it is, you know, getting back to that LeBron thing, it is, it's an incredibly different situation because of the offensive uh, system that they have in place. But then again, like, like with music, like, Super teams don't always work in music. Like you put a super band together, oftentimes it sucks because the guys don't know how to play together, you know, and they're all just like five or six individuals on stage trying to do their one thing, like shred guitar that they got famous for. But I think that this Warriors team with Durant has a possibility to transcend the super team uh, limitations and the fact that they do enjoy playing together and that they've been friends for a long time. Like Durant and Curry have known each other and that honestly that they're connected and I'm not a, um, particularly religious person at all, but Durant and Curry sure are, you know, and that's something that is really important to them. And that is, is going to be something that they really uh, can get together on. And I think that this team, you know, people are worried about the chemistry, but I think that the chemistry is actually going to be, be, I think Durant came to the team 
for the chemistry. And I think that his relationship with OKC and some of this stuff came out in the, you know, in a couple of interviews that he's done, but I, I'm not sure how tenable that relationship was. And maybe it would have broken apart moving forward anyways, you know, like I'm not sure how many years that team actually had from the standpoint of them all being able to like get the proper shots and play together and play well. And, and so they, they kind of had zero in the end. Um, exactly. you know, so uh, real quick, because uh, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the things that you think might derail this team, uh, because it doesn't sure doesn't sound like they're that many uh, looking in the surface level. Uh, what have you thought of some of the stuff that Durant has said recently, uh, the Rolling Stone story, where he talked a little bit about some of the reasons he wanted to leave, uh, some of the stuff he said about Oklahoma City, where or sort of the shots that people perceive he's taking at them with, uh, yeah. you know, I feel smarter about all this. Um, you know, I think Thunder fans are really upset about all that. Um, if you, as a Warriors fan, you know, speaking with your Warriors cap, I mean, how would you, how do Warriors fans look at some of this stuff? I don't think, I, I think that a lot of those perceived shots at OKC were not um, necessarily shots at all. I'm actually trying to look up the exact quote because Steve Kerr came out and said some really interesting things I mean, about. He did, he did, but when you say like, when you explicitly note that I'm not as smart as I thought I was about the game, I think it's understandable for someone to say, you know, hey, what about when you played here? And when you talk about sort of your relationship with Westbrook now, I think it's understandable for some people to say, well, look at all the things you said about Westbrook in the past. You know, and obviously, to some degree, some people are reading into it, but I, I think there's there's something there for those feelings. Yeah, I mean, there's something there, of course. I mean, you know, you can't spend seven years with with in any organization and then go to a new job or whatever. And of course, like everything that you say is going to get parsed and sort of compared against your former position. But I think that, I mean, so the exact uh, the exact quote that Steve Kerr said was, quote, it's always a delicate balance because there's just a lot of dot, dot, dot. And Katie has found this out. Um, how do you like your new teammates? They're really unselfish. Suddenly that becomes a story in Oklahoma City. Like he didn't say anything about that. He was just commenting on his own team. So no matter what other people say, it's going to be scrutinized, twisted, turned. You guys know us. We have an open media policy. That won't change. Um, yeah. Well, I, speaking of being twisted and turned a little bit, I think Steve, you know, to his credit, he is sort of doing this. Everybody sort of is doing that at a certain level. Yeah, he's trying to protect, he, he's trying to protect his players. He's trying to, I don't know. Well, I, I find it the only reason I think it's sort of interesting from like how the Warriors going to do is it, it's sort of I wonder how Durant is going to feel about being the guy that a villain, for lack of a better word, it does not seem like something he's necessarily 100 percent comfortable with. And first, I don't think it's a huge deal because one, I don't think he's as much a villain as people think. I think more there's been much more sympathy for his position than there was for LeBron's for certain. Uh, but I also think this is a sign of perhaps some growth. I look at someone that I see trying to change some of his habits, and it's not always so easy. So I, I think from a person on a personal level, it's interesting to see how he's going to manage all of that because. He can't if he's just going to lash out and say I didn't mean anything by all that stuff. I think he's. I don't think anyone's really going to buy that. But I wonder if I were. I would be great. I think for him to say be totally upfront about all this stuff instead of this these shots and just kind of saying that you know there was time for me to go and there were things that went wrong and I moved on and I think he would shut a lot of that down real quick. Um, the Warriors did some other stuff this summer though besides Durant. Real quick. They bring in Zaza Pachulia, they bring in uh, David West, and they draft this rookie, Patrick McCaw. 
Are any of those guys going to be key players? I mean, obviously Zaza is going to play a lot, uh, but what are you expecting from? And why is everybody going nuts over McCall? Well, <laughs> everybody's going nuts over McCall because they're sick of talking about three one, and we're sick of talking <laughs> about Durant coming to the Warriors. <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the probably like cynical reason why everybody's going nuts over McCall because it's like new content, which is great, you know. So I we obviously you and I are both at Summer League and Patrick McCaw performed really well, you know, really solidly. He was obviously the best player on the floor. Uh, I was talking to people in the Warriors organization while I was there and we we're just, you know, we we're talking about the players on the floor and and you know, somebody said, "Well, obviously McCaw is the only one here is actually going to do anything." You know, which was extremely true and has proved quite prescient. But um I think that uh the Warriors have proven that they are really smart when it comes to figuring out who they want to draft and targeting talent, you know, as evidenced by the Draymond Green draft um, in which, well, and, you know, they drafted Azili Barnes and Draymond in that single draft and Draymond's the only one who's still here. And he was obviously the last play- player taken by the team. So, you know, it's something that they, their draft record in the last, you know, six years or whatever, since they took Curry is, is pretty amazing. You know, it, it. The only other thing I could think that rivals it is the Thunder drafting, uh, you know, Harden, Durant, and Westbrook. But then, of course, now Durant and Harden are both all gone. But um, right, and also none of the Warriors' picks were especially high picks. So I mean, I think the Warriors. But uh, yeah, McCall looks like a real player. He looks like kind of he's got great size, good intelligence, can shoot a little bit. He, he, he could play a lot. He can. And year. so, so here's my like the hottest of all my hot takes. All right, you ready for this? So. I think that McCaw is going to receive at least one or two rookie of the year votes. And here's why. I mean, look at the class. It's not exactly the most deep, the deepest class. I wouldn't be surprised Yeah, that's you. But I think that the Warriors, <laughs> this is such an arrogant take, but I think that the Warriors are going to be blowing teams out so frequently that McCaw sometimes will play like almost the entirety of the second half. And he's going to put up some actually really solid numbers this year and show that he actually truly belongs in the NBA. And a couple of uh, a couple of writers are going to be like, that dude's got my vote for Rookie of the Year. I think it's going to happen. Okay. Well, that leads to another interesting question with this team, which is how much are they going to manage uh, the season? Obviously, last year they go all out. They get 73. And the rhetoric this year is, you know, we're going to take it easy. We're not going to – we're going to rest guys. We're not going to do that again. We ran out of gas. You know, we're really cognizant of not doing that. And they have an amazing luxury that they can sort of stagger players and do all this. But how much do you expect to see key players resting? How much do you expect to see the team's best lineup, which I think is the new death lineup, with Durant and Barnes' place play all year? I mean, what are you expecting from that standpoint? Obviously, we'll see quite a bit of it. And especially if they're in close games, they'll be closing out with that lineup, most likely, I'm assuming. Um, I think that Kerr is going to take a... I'm sure he's probably already reached out to Popovich and had like a long conversation over a nice bottle of wine and been like, all right, I get it. <laughs> You're smart. I should have listened to you in the beginning. Like, Tell me about this whole you know, resting your stars thing. And like, you, you, you know, you'll see those guys like not fly for certain trips or you'll see them give like just uh, guaranteed days off or at the first hint of injury, you know, they're going to hold Curry out. It's not, they don't care about, all they want is that, and I think, um, I think Bob Myers actually came out and said this, but 
the only goal that they have for the upcoming season is to secure the number one spot in the West so that they have home field or home court and then take it from there. And so they're not there. I mean, I, I've been saying my, my over under for win total is for me, I think it's like 64 or 65, which is still an insane year, but it's, I, they're definitely not going to be going for 73 um, or 74. It's just cause it, they've obviously it doesn't matter. Um, and it's going to take, I think you'll see them play a lot in the beginning because it's going to take some time for the team to mesh on court. And they're, they're still obviously feeling, figuring out like how that actually works with Durant on the team. But I think once they kind of hit their stride and once they figure out um, the offense and the flow and everything, like you will see them stagger nights off for guys like Durant will take a night here and there. Curry will probably take more nights than most. I think the only person who will probably play every game unless he gets suspended is Draymond again because he won't let them take him out. Let's talk about Draymond. Uh, this week, there was a big story on ESPN by our friend Ethan Sherwood Strauss about some of the temperament issues that maybe Green has had and how there's a growing sense that maybe he's been a little difficult to control and what kind of drives him to be as good as he is can also be a detriment. And it was, I think, really interesting and because it was sort of painted in, I think, a fair way as if anything is going to mess this team up, this could be it. Uh, what was your reaction to this story? What did you think? couple things um i thought it was very fairly written and obviously sourced well it was interesting what marie spates said it was also interesting that that most spates came out afterwards and and tried to say he didn't say any of that so you know whatever that yeah that didn't work i'm sorry he's like i don't even talk like that what uh but anyways um no (laughs) so here my initial thought to that was like this is all stuff that we know already you know it's not like this is a bombshell uh, you know, uh, Hollywood access style story with, with tiny hands over there. Um, this is something that, you know, we all kind of know and love and respect and, or hate or however, wherever you stand on Draymond, like, I don't think that this shifted the conversation too much either way. You know, it's like, yeah, I I can see that, (laughs) you know, um, all the stories about him, even from his rookie year, when he came in and Jeremy Tyler was his quote unquote, like vet, and he went to the coaching staff. He's like, this is bullshit. Like, Jeremy Tyre is, is whack. I need another vet. Like, get this fuck guy out of here. You know, like, mm-hmm. this is who he is. So, um, and I think, like, all the way up the chain of command in the Warriors, all the way up to Lacob, uh, I think that they truly do respect that. And they have a healthy fear of what uh, he's capable of as evidence in, you know, game five of the finals when he got suspended, you know? So... But the bigger point to that is that Lacob and all those guys come, well, not all those guys, but specifically Lacob comes from a, um, like Silicon Valley investment, uh, tech sort of like winner take all, um, bloodbath business sort of mentality. Right. And so like, that's totally acceptable in business. I mean, not like kicking people in the balls, obviously, like not like physically, (laughs) Well, I, I don't think too many too many Fortune 500 CEOs are dangling their uh, crotch over uh, Joe Lacob's but head. But if somebody did, like if if like Tim Cook came and like put his junk in in Joe Lacob's face, like Joe Lacob <laughs> would punch Tim Cook in the balls. Like I'm telling you, like that. I'm I'm I think that I think that um, Lacob sees a lot in Draymond that he sees in himself, which is just like a thirst for excellence, uh, an unwillingness to come in second, and like the sort of the the mentality of like i will fucking kill you like i will take you out back and i will murder you 
probably more in a business sense, but like if it comes to it also, you know, yeah, I, I will, so. <laughs> I will kick you in the balls. Like it, you know, and so I think that Draymond having that, and it's not like Draymond is completely unhinged. Like he does operate within some semblance of control for the most part. And there's only some moments where his aggressiveness really overflows and, and spills over onto the court or into his, into the practices or whatever. But I, I mean, knowing how they built that team and knowing the type of people that they have in the front office and knowing who they've empowered with business decisions, like if anything, they're, uh, incur- I mean, they're encouraging that they're not encouraging the, the, the violence, but they are encouraging Draymond to be that leader. And I think, I think Ethan did a good job of saying like, yeah, this, this, it could blow up, but this is also why the team is how they are. Right. This is a challenge for even the smartest uh, front office because you you have to accept what someone is for the good and the bad, and everything that makes him great is also the stuff that could come back to haunt them. But you have you can't you don't want to take away too much. This is sort of a bigger problem. This is sort of the bigger dilemma of the Russell Westbrook basketball problem. That is how do you how do you kind of maybe slightly change some of the things that he does without taking away from who he is. And that's the problem that they're going to have. It's especially a problem, I think, because, one, it does feel like everybody's kind of playing good cop to Kerr's bad cop, so that's sort of a a relationship to watch as well. But the other reason is that with all the perimeter talent that they have now, you can make an argument that Green is now – maybe he already was, uh, but – he certainly is now their most indispensable player, I think, in terms of nobody else can do what he does uh, on any on any form. Plus, he's the guy that was the lead recruiter for Durant. So you're going to – there's not much you can do to alienate this person. You alienate Draymond Green, you take away what makes so much of what the Warriors such a great team, especially that death lineup. But, you know, if you let him go completely the way he is, then that could also threaten to derail you. So it's a really unique, difficult dilemma. If you're looking at things that I think – may derail this team. I'm looking at something like that well before I'm looking at anything else just because I don't really see right now what the strategy is for stopping them. And they seem to be just, they're going to be just fine defensively. And I think they have plenty of depth, you know, especially with the way you can manage the lineup. The only thing that I could see possibly derailing this team is that is Draymond's sort of personality seeping into and making him a much less effective player and much less effective leader. But again, like you talk about derailing, like it already derailed them. Like the, I think the worst possible outcome already happened, which was in the finals with him getting suspended, you know? So That's like, true. It, it, like Durant saw that, like the whole team saw that, you know? And again, like Steve Kerr, his quote was, yeah, it's kind of old news for us. It's stuff that kind of already happened, which is true because like it did already happen. Like I think that, <laughs> Draymond pushed it as far as it could go. They lost the finals in large part because of that. You know, like, do they win if he's there for game five? Who knows? Who cares? It's over. Like, it's done. The Warriors are the first team in NBA history to lose 3-1 up in the finals. You know, like, that's a thing. And so I think that, you know, like with any 26, 27, how old is he now? I think he's 26, 25, 26. Like, any mid-20s dude on a main like national international stage like i'm sure he's a super smart guy first of all so he has learned from his mistakes in some capacity i don't think he's going to change his person but he's like yo i can't get suspended because <laughs> because we lose the finals like you know and i think that that was probably a huge reason why he was such a huge uh, such a big recruiter for for durant 
is that he went out and he was like, Barnes is, 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 can't come through in the clutch. We need somebody else. We need to kind of blow this up. Um, but I mean, as far as him like derailing this season, I think, I think he already did. I think it's like, again, I think it's old news. I think it's something that is a story because we want to talk about it. And I think Ethan did a really interesting job of writing it up, but I really don't see that. And I could be totally wrong, but I don't see that as being, um, I don't see that. I, I can see that being a story like externally from the team and that we're all going to talk about it throughout the year. Like, Oh, is this when, you know, anytime Draymond gets a tech, it's going to be like, Oh, got to watch out. Is, is this the game that he flies off the rails? But I think internally in that locker room, if anything, that story will only serve to, to draw those guys closer together and to make them realize that they like, they, they're not going to do a whole lot of talking to the media this year. Well, what happens though, if he has another, not an Oklahoma City moment uh, from the regular season, but just something else where he's a little abrasive and some of these things have not totally mended in terms of his relationship with the players. That's the only, what I could realize. Now, do, he's not, I don't think that season is it's at a huge risk of being derailed. I'm just saying that this is something to watch. You know, it, Even though it's old news, I don't think those scars necessarily have fully gone away. It is possible, though, like you said, that the team will kind of have this bunker mentality and rally around. So we'll see how that goes. I, I, I just think if there's only one thing, because I don't know about you, but I can't figure out how you're going to stop these guys in full flight. I mean, it just I just think it's impossible. You know, Looking at some of the, the looks they're getting in the preseason, it's ridiculous. Like, they can't. You cannot guard them, uh, and they're better defensively, I think, with Durant. By far, yeah. Durant's defensive upside, like I said, is like twice as twice as much as Harrison. And Harrison's a good defender, so yeah. I mean, they have the talent, even if they're resting guys. I think to win seventy games again. I mean, they. I think they will be well above sixty-four unless something really bad happens. But it's just possible if you think about you know in another high leverage moment where they've had some bumps along the way, even. The year they won the title, they had a couple game series where they were trailing. You know, you have to wonder whether they can bond together again. And that that's really the only thing, I think, that could stop them because otherwise they're just totally bulletproof. I mean... Well, and I, again, and like I said, I think that this stories like this and the, the amount of attention and negative press that Durant got coming over, like, I do think that he wouldn't have come if he wasn't already extremely tight with the team. And he wanted to come to be with actual friends, you know, and like to be around people who got him. Um, and I do think that they, as the as the season goes on, they do grow closer from shielding one another from the firestorm of media attention that is going to surround them this year, this season. You know, I mean, there's a traveling contingent of like hundred reporters plus or something that's going to travel with it. Yeah, everybody seemed to. Move yeah, out I mean, there, uh, Tim sure. Bontemps moved out there from Washington Post, like the. New York Times guys out there. I mean, it's yeah. They have they have a lot of media covering the team. There's no question, as they should. I mean, it's it's going to be a huge story, you know. And one thing that might help this team is I think the common presence of Steph will help a lot. And I think I have the I have a feeling that he's going to have an, a, another huge year. I think there's a lot of talk that maybe he'll take a, a bit of a step back to accommodate Durant or whatever. I'm not sure that's going to happen. Like I, th- I think we may be underestimating how good he could be again, but we'll see. Well, and the other great thing that came out of the preseason is Steph finally looked like Steph again. Like in that Lakers game, like some of the <laughs> stupid behind the back dancing, jump back, hit the three. Like he finally—that's the first time that we've seen him really look like himself since before he got hurt in the Houston series. 
So, I mean, he's back. He's totally back. The team is healthy right now. I, you know, knock on, um, where's some wood? Here's some wood. Uh, knock on wood. Um, <laughs> it stays that way. But as of right now, they're going into the season fully healthy with a totally stacked lineup, like potentially the most stacked team ever assembled. I would, I would put them up there. I mean, it's not, it's a super team, but they're all in there. They have what four of the fifteen best players in the league? Yeah, I mean, or probably, or like, or ten. I mean, you could even go down to ten or eleven, twelve, somewhere in that range too, depending on how you rank them. Yeah, right. And they have the last three in the Oh man, I love it. I like. I I know that it sucks for a lot of other people who follow NBA and because they feel like hopeless, but just just let it just lay just let it happen. Like it's gonna be great. Um. They might not win the title. Things are, you know, who knows? Like, it's a it's a long season, but I think that we're about to witness something that we've never seen before, and that's that's really all you can ask in entertainment and in sports, like I was talking about earlier. So Yeah, I mean, is there anything else other than perhaps the, the Draymond's temperament that fans are worried? Might- I think Kerr's, <clears throat> Kerr's health is still an issue. You know, his back is still not completely 100%. He still has headaches, I've heard. Um I think he's back. He's feeling. I know he's feeling a lot better than he was last season. Uh, but at the same time, too, like that coaching staff, even if he did have to step aside for a couple games, um, you know, Jaron Collins is is an up and coming like rising superstar in the coaching ranks, and they also have uh, Mike Brown, who's I think an incredible assistant. Maybe not the best head coach, but is a fantastic assistant, um, as evidenced by his time on the San Antonio Spurs. So. I don't know. I mean, there's not a lot of holes in this team, and and you know, kudos to to Bob Myers and Joe Lacob for assembling uh, the organization that could 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 handle something like this. You know, I mean, they just won. For example, the the Golden State Warriors just won the um, Stanford Business School's uh, what was it like Entrepreneurial Business of the Year award. And it's the first time ever that it was hmm. given to a sports organization. Like the uh, other recipients of the award in years past were like Google, <laughs> Apple back in the eighties. Like, so they they indeed thought that they were they were not like yeah ahead. no Stanford. Well, and I mean, Lakeup is a Stanford guy, so they're probably just like helping stoke his whatever. But um. <laughs> I hear you. So are fans worried at all about losing Bogut and Azalea and not having uh, enough size? I mean, I know fans, myself included, were really sad when Bogut went. Azili, I mean, I love Azili. I think he's an awesome guy. I just, health-wise, I don't know if he's ever going to be there. He just hasn't been able to stay on the court. And, I mean, Bogut to a certain extent as well. But I think, like, you know, this is what I've been preaching to the Golden State of Mind um, readers. But, like, any time that you have an opportunity to basically give up uh, an, an aging, ailing Andrew Bogut for a peak prime healthy Kevin Durant like well yes yeah, certainly I mean anyone would make that trade but uh I mean it's a concern but you know uh I think 538 just released a study and the Warriors are actually the second biggest team in the league behind the behind the Milwaukee Bucks you know so it, it people say they don't have size but like I mean Durant obviously he's real fan but he is legit seven foot I think he, you'll see his defensive upside come out a lot under Ron, Ron Adams who we worked with in Oklahoma City previously and then I think that we, you know, I think like Kevon Looney is somebody that we haven't talked about who has looked great in the preseason. He was um, he was injured for his rookie season last year, barely played. But I think that he could come on as like a real surprise uh, uh, defensive presence inside as like a, a strong, stringy, like giant Ron Artest-ish bigger player, um, except taller. 
uh, blocking shots, getting rebounds. Like he just has, he has a nose for the ball. He's one of those guys where he's just always there at the right spot. Uh, Damian Jones, who was their first round draft pick out of Vanderbilt, could could become easily like a, a, a huge force inside once he returns from injury. I think uh, you, you're forgetting one guy. Who? Oh, Javale. <laughs> My God, JaVale, he made the team. JaVale. Yeah, maybe they'll get something out yeah, of JaVale. Yeah, no, I was, I, was, I was working my way up to him, man. Yeah, JaVale, JaVale, he's, he's my guy. He, uh, we, I, talk, <laughs> I, talk to, um, I talk to the guys over at Mavs Moneyball all the time about, about our, our mutual love and respect for JaVale. So, I mean, so obviously he, he made the team. Yesterday it was announced they, they cut the last three players, and he was, uh, he was not cut. And I think it, the writing was all over the wall. Like Andre Iguodala was talking about how great he's looked and how he um, – you know, he's been playing a lot better than like quote unquote people players who got paid that money or whatever that means. And JaVale, I think JaVale, this is the JaVale reclamation project season. Like JaVale is actually, he's going to like. Okay. Well, now we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, let's get it. No, again, all right. I agree though. It's not going to be. It's not going to be a problem, really. I, you know, they they just are, they're too good elsewhere, and they have enough guys to soak up minutes uh, in the short term. And if you never get to the basket, then you never need room protection. <laughs> so I don't think it's going to be a problem. So anyway, how many? You're saying the over under you have at sixty four, and you think that's like, the range? Like 65, 65 and a half, somewhere in there. I just think that they they will punt. I mean, I think that they'll try to punt a couple games, but I think that lineup of like JaVale, McCaw, Looney is actually like good enough to really hang with some teams, you know? Um, but I think that they'll definitely sit guys with, I think that they're probably eyeing, like whatever it takes to be the, the number one seed, which I think like 65 will probably get them there. Um, I think they're, they're definitely not uh, trying to, I don't know. You said you, you have them around 70 or something, right? Uh, I, I, think they'll walk into 70 wins in the regular season I, I even without trying i think they're going to get close to how they did last year they're just too loaded and they have too many spots especially if you rest people not all at once and you're sort of kind of letting some people sit i think they're going to be too good uh and you know i'm thinking pretty close to last year's record to be honest you know i'm not sure exactly where they're going to get but uh, they they don't have to try, I think, to roll out such great lineups. And I think the real question will be if there's anyone that can challenge them in the playoffs. You know what? What I'm curious to find out is what the strategy teams develop to try to stop them. Because I don't think what's going to what work last year in the playoffs will work again. You know, maybe what you can do is you can sag a little bit more off Draymond and Iguodala, put a certain you know use kind of your biggest guy as sort of a zoner off Draymond and see how that works. But it's gonna, but then they're gonna. Draymond can put you in pick and roll then, and and that's gonna pick you apart as well. So I don't know what the solution is, and it'll be interesting to see what teams try. But yeah, in the regular season, even if without trying, I, I don't really believe they're gonna do enough to punt enough games to lose eight more than last year. I think they're gonna be right back there. I don't know if they're gonna get to seventy three again. I suspect if they're getting close, I bet Kerr is gonna kind of take the foot off the gas in April and make sure they don't. But I think they're going to be right back. I mean, they could. I've just been saying 65 to kind of keep my expectations low. And also because I don't want them to go for it. And I know that they're not trying to, you know. But I think that your assessment that they could easily walk into 70 by accident is, like, sad and true. Like, when have we ever said that about a team ever? Like, oh, yeah, they probably won't try, but they'll probably go 70 and 12. Like, that's insane. It's amazing. It's 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 insane. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I can understand why Warriors fans are giddy laughing about it, but uh, a lot of interesting uh, things that could uh, derail things by the end, but I don't suspect they will be a factor until we get to the playoffs, and then we'll see. Really, the only thing that would scare me at the war- as a Warriors fan is, like, what if Draymond isn't as incredible as he has been? But that's really it. Otherwise, it should be a wonderful year Health out there. It's always the X Factor. Yeah, but even health, right? If they lose Steph for a little bit of time, like their team without him is still probably the best team in the West. Yeah, I mean, their, their team without him and even without like one or two other. Yeah, there's you're you're right, but that I mean, at, I'm just I lived through those years as as did all Warriors fans who didn't jump on the bandwagon when they won the championship when Steph was like maybe never gonna actually play, you know. So, like, regardless of him winning the unanimous MVP and everything, like, any time that he cuts on either of his ankles, I'm like, holy shit, this is the end. And that's just, like, an unfortunate byproduct of being a Warriors fan and growing up with them being the worst team in the league consistently, maybe other than the Clippers, is that, like, I still expect this to fall apart at any moment for any variety of reasons, but mostly, like, Steph's health. And that's the one, if you ask anywhere, like, if you ask Nate, the one thing that is just terrifying, which shouldn't even be an issue, but we just, we have like horrible, like uh, stress fracture in our brains from the, you know, from the past. So anyways, you've turned a lot of, a lot of brain ankles worrying about this. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, we'll see. I, I think that Steph is going to win it really? again, by the way, that is my slightly bold prediction. I think he will repeat, but uh, we'll see. I, I think some of the talk of some of these like second tier candidates is getting a little out of control. I would vote that Steph wins MVP again, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, and you believe, I assume that they are going to read. I do. Title. Yeah, I do. I do too as well. Uh, all right. Well, Bram Kinchelo, <laughs> I got that right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, associate editor for Golden State of Mind and uh, co-host of the Golden State of Mind cast. Thank you so much for coming on and finishing off our 30 teams. Thanks so much previews. for having me, Mike, and congrats on all the hard work that you've done with the preview and all the uh, Limited Upside podcast and everything, and I think you should go take a nap now. Well, the season's approaching, so I don't think <laughs> I can do that. So, uh, yeah, so as Bram teased right there, we've done a podcast for every team with uh, a member of our team communities at SB Nation getting you super close insight from the fans' perspective, from the people who follow these teams the most. Uh, we started back at late July, and we just finished up here. So if go find your favorite team. Uh, go listen to their show. You, that's the best way to get you primed for the season. I should warn you that a couple of those are a little out of date because of injuries, but for the most part, they're still relevant when we recorded them and now. So go ahead and listen to those on the Limited Upside podcast, and soon Ben will be back from his honeymoon and we're going to start to look at the season maybe we'll have some over-unders coming maybe we'll have some other season plans let us know what you want to hear from us uh we are listening and until then this is the limited upside podcast (laughs) 